So today we're continuing our series, Enemies of the Heart, and uh, we're going to be talking about bitterness today. Just show of hands, I'd like to take a quick survey. Has anybody ever been offended before? Anybody ever take anything offensive before, right? I think we've all been at a place where we've been offended and where we've gotten our feelings hurt and um, we had to deal with certain things. Well, I have you know that the Apostle Paul also dealt with bitterness, or I would say he had to combat bitterness. In Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul was on his way to Rome. Now understand that he just got out of prison, shipwrecked, and he was stranded on this island called Mata. And the natives there welcomed him in and they provided a fire and lo and behold, Paul was reaching down towards the fire and all of a sudden, a viper comes out of the wood and bites him. Venomous viper. So for Paul, you have to understand, okay, I just got out of prison. I think I'm scot-free. I go on a ship and I cross bodies of water where I for sure should have died, but I survived that. I land on this island and now I get bit by a snake. What else? Now, did he blame anybody for what he was going through? I think it's so easy for us to blame and very much so because let's be honest, we're human. We're, there's emotions that we deal with, right? And so Paul gets bit, but does he blame anybody? He doesn't. Listen to what he does. The Bible says that he shook off the snake into the fire. He shook it off. Shook it off. I'll have you know that on our journey of life, as we go about this journey, learning about grace, as we try new things, as we move into what God has ultimately prepared for each and every one of us, listen, we're going to receive some snake bites, or should I say some moments where we can have some bitterness, blame other people. We're going to have moments where we want to point our finger at people and say, it's your fault. It's your fault. And you're the reason why this has happened to me. Listen, I've done it. I've done it. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical snake bites, but I think you know what I'm talking about here. The Bible refers to Satan as a serpent, right? And he wants to attach himself to our souls, meaning our hearts and our minds. This is what we've been talking about, enemies of the heart. And so that he can inject some venom into us, a.k.a. B.K.A. bitterness. Bitterness. So when that happens, you have to understand there's two things that we could do. We could either let it hang on or we can shake it off. I'd rather do shaking off than letting the bitterness hold on to me. And, and, and what have we been learning lately, right? That we got to tend to our hearts because out of my heart flow the issues of life or another translation says it like this, that whatever's in my heart really is the path that I'm going towards in my life if I always feel like people are after me 
then I'm always going to have that perspective that people are always after me. If I always believe that God is against me, then I'm going to live from that place that I'm never good enough or there's nothing good in my future. Hey, I'll go to even this example, that even if some of you have made up in your minds that that person will never change, can I tell you, even that thought can bring some bitterness in our hearts. It can cause us to view people that are closest to us, the ones we love the most, and view them, view them with a perspective that is unfair, view them with a perspective that is not of grace, that there's no hope for them. Come on, I needed hope. I needed that grace. I'm sure you needed that hope and that grace too. And if you believe that God is in the details of your life, if he's in the mixed on your relationship, if he's in the middle of your relationships right now, could you just raise your hands right where you are? Come on, he's there, he's present. He hasn't left you to just fend for yourself, but he's a present help in the time of need. He's a comforter whenever you need him, whenever you don't understand. If your heart is broken, if you're trying to understand the resentment and the bitterness that you have, it's not up to you. You can't control the situation. You can't even fix the outcome. Hey, trust in Jesus. Lean into his understanding, his grace. I'll say, as Paul said, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. His grace is sufficient. So, Heavenly Father, in this moment, we thank you that your goodness, your favor, it follows us. Your mercy surrounds us. It hunts us down. That today, as we combat this enemy of the heart, Lord, we learn what true forgiveness is. We give ourselves, I don't know who this is for, but we give ourselves a chance and we give them a chance. We give ourselves a chance and we give them a chance. Lord, we pray right now that you would just highlight the way you see us, that we are completely forgiven in you. That in this moment, Lord, that moment that we have together, that as we declare the good news, that you'd wash our minds of all the inferior thoughts that we've had this week, that for this moment, Lord, we can, we can see ourselves the way you see us. We're whole, we're complete, we're not broken. We're not an emotional wreck. We're not depressed or deprived, but today we are more than conquerors in Christ. Today we have what we need in Christ. Today we are led by a good shepherd. Lord, I thank you that today we are reminded that you are our source today. We are reminded, Lord, that you connect the dots, that you are leading us from grace to grace, from faith to faith, to reveal glory to glory, that to today, Jesus, we are reminded that we are one with you and you are, are with us and there is never a separation. We are united together in Christ Jesus. And if you believe that, church, come on, clap your hands. Can you give them some praise? Well, real quick, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And we're going to pick it up right here, but 
before I do that, understand that a bitter heart is incredibly destructive. It helps no one whenever you are carrying bitterness in your heart. Hebrews 12, 15 says that it springs up and causes trouble, defiling your path. Hey, if you want to cause, if you want to create destruction or chaos in your path, then you hold on to that bitterness. But bitterness will cause untold trouble in our lives. Unchecked bitterness has the capacity to wreak havoc in our life. Not only in our emotional health, but our mental health as well. And we know that as believers, as New Covenant believers, that we've been forgiven, right? We've been forgiven. You and I have been forgiven. And so Paul instructs us to freely to forgive others. You're free to forgive others. And listen, when our hearts become poisoned with bitterness, the eyes of our hearts start looking at others differently, right? When our hearts become bitter, we view others around us with, in venomous ways. That's why it's so vital that we forgive those who have hurt us. Listen, uh, uh, Jesus even talked about this, but, but Peter asked Jesus in Matthew 18, 21, he said, Lord, when someone hurts me, Right? When someone has sinned against me, how many times should I forgive him? Once? Twice? Seven times? Now, if you know anything about Peter, you know Peter, he probably had a hit list. He probably had a bitterness list, a resentful list, people that he was not willing to forgive. And maybe this is why he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive, Lord? How many times should I do it? Look at what Jesus, how he responds in 1822. And Jesus answered Peter, you must forgive not seven times, wait a minute, but 70 times seven. That you would forgive not just seven times what you said, Peter, you put it up here, but I'm going to tell you to go ahead and exceed that a little bit, increase that, and I'm going to tell you um, 70 times seven. That's a whole lot of forgiving. Are you hearing me? What is Jesus saying? In other words, every time when we have someone hurt us or we get offended, hey, shake it off every time. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but hear me. Jesus knew that forgiveness wasn't optional when it came to the believer. Hey, when it, when it came to you functioning as a new covenant believer understand this that jesus wasn't giving you an option he was actually saying it's essential he said to keep extending mercy to those people that have hurt us and maybe those people keep hurting us and jesus is telling us keep extending mercy because each day will bring new offenses just go down 35, you will get cut off quick, fast, and in a hurry. New offenses. So new offenses require new forgiveness, right? And every time that you and I get offended, we must forgive. No exceptions. But why is Jesus telling us this? Listen, it was once said that everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have to forgive someone. It's a great idea until I have to do it. But forgiveness doesn't operate only when we feel good. Did, did you know it's an act of our will when we don't feel like it? And forgiveness isn't a one-time event. 
Forgiveness is an ongoing thing. For some of us, it is a process. We are in this process of forgiving people and keep on forgiving those people. Let me tell you, I, I, don't, I, I believe I've been in moments where, where I didn't want to forgive, but I knew I had to forgive. And honestly, I can recall several of those moments where I didn't want to forgive, but I understood that I was forgiven. And forgiveness is like everything else when it comes to a believer. We do it by faith, not by feeling. We do it by faith. I know some of us grew up in a day and age where your forgiveness was tied to the way you felt about the other person. Well, today, I'm all right with them. I'm not hurt by that situation, so I'm okay to forgive. Forgiveness does not, is not dictated by your emotions. Forgiveness is done by faith, not the way you feel. And listen, I, while we're on the subject, I'll even say this, that God doesn't tell us to forgive and forget. That's been a lie from the moment I've started going to church. God doesn't expect you to forget. There's no way you can forget. Some of us have been through tough moments where we have heard good people tell us, hey, just forgive and forget. And then when you bring it up, I'm just... Can I just be honest right now? And then when you bring it up to good church people, it, they say, well, you haven't forgotten. You haven't really forgiven. God doesn't expect you to for, forget. You live through those experiences. Those are your experiences. Those are your moments where you needed grace the most and grace showed up. Listen, God is not telling you, hey, forgiveness is based on you forgetting. That's not the case. You will never, ever, ever truly forget. But let me tell you, you can remember what happened, but it doesn't have to affect you the same way. Because by grace, you're being empowered. By grace, you're learning the sufficiency of his love for you. By grace, you are learning to move forward no matter what they say about you, no matter what they did to you several years ago. You're learning to move on. And the memory of what happened does not impact you the same way that it did that's grace. So you'll never forget. But let me quickly add this too, that forgiveness isn't an abdic abdication of justice. It isn't you saying, listen, um, whatever happens, happens. Instead, forgiveness, do you want to know what it involves? Deferring justice to God. Now, I've had good people tell me this too. Listen, hey, I'm going to pray that uh, they get what they deserve. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not saying, God, take care of my enemies. You said that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to eat a six-course meal in front of all my haters. <laughs> oh, I've wanted to believe that too, and I wanted to see it too, but that's not what Jesus meant. Listen, forgiveness is you leaving justice up to God. You have nothing to do with whatsoever on how they get repaid for what they did. Because some of us have caused trouble in other people's lives. And if everybody's over here trying to pray revenge onto everybody, then none of us would experience God's grace. Are you hearing me? <laughs> but the fact is that we forgive for our own good, for our own 
good. We forgive for our own good. Forgiveness prevents the enemy of bitterness from poisoning our heart. Remember, guarding our heart. And if we don't forgive, we allow the snake to inject the venomous bitterness poison into our heart. And listen, just as the serpent lied to Adam and, Lee, Adam and Eve way back in the Garden of Eden, he'll attempt to lie to us as well. He'll do it. And bitterness is, 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 is a process which takes place in phases. See, you'll never get to bitterness without going through other things first. The first one is this. First stage is an offense. First phase of, of bitterness. Bitterness begins as a seed of offense. When you're offended, a negative seed is sown in your heart. You take that seed and you think about that seed. You replay the tapes of the conversations and you rehearse those things in your mind. And you, sit, you, you, you lay in bed and you, 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 you lay there and that's all you can think about before you go to bed. You even talk to other people about the offense. And all you're doing is putting more wood on the fire, more fuel to the flame. And that does no good. Listen, all of us have been offended, though. Because we've had people betray us, right? A colleague make a devastating comment about us. Maybe you've even had a family member who has wrong, wrongfully judged you. Hello, Thanksgiving. Some of you are going to have to face those people this coming Thursday. And it hurts deeply, right? And this is the enemy's tactics. He, he plants these thoughts in our minds. And, and we keep telling ourselves, I'm offended by what he did to me. I'm never going to get over it i'm never gonna get past it and offenses can be real or hear me offenses can be real or they can be imagined while some people intentionally set out to hurt us there are other people who didn't try or didn't mean to hurt us but they hurt us and when someone hurts our feelings listen there, there is a danger right there to, be, to, to, to take that seed of offense and, 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 and cause bitterness in our hearts. And you know what's interesting? Did you know that the word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon? And a scandalon is the wooden stick in a trap where you place the bait that lures the prey. It's literally the wooden stumbling block of the trap. So think about this. Next time that you say, I'm offended, you have fell in into the trap. You're in the trap. And so Jesus taught us to forgive 70 times 7. 70 times 7. Second stage right here. Are you ready? Anger. Anger. If you hold on to these offenses long enough, I can guarantee you you're going to ex explode in anger. Anger comes in many shapes and sizes and different ways of expressions and, and things don't go the way that we like we get angry when people don't talk to us the way we feel like we should be talked to. We get angry. Our kids lie to us. We get upset. Are you hearing me? Our spouse violates our trust. We get enraged. We grow angry. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. If you are angry and there's going to be times where you are angry, don't sin. Here it is. By nursing your grudge injury what do you do with the injury you nurse your injury you take care of your injury well some of us have been nursing this bitterness this these offenses and 
and, and we begin to hold grudges. It continues, don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. Now, I remember growing up, people used to tell, if you, people used to tell me, when you're going to get married, um, never go to bed angry at your spouse. Anybody ever heard that? Sometimes that's not reality. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to go to bed angry. But how many of you know that there's some truth to this text because every time I go to bed angry, I wake up more tired, more exhausted. So maybe Ephesians 4 was honest for all of us in here. If you're mad at somebody today, if you're, if you're angry at somebody today, hey, do your best to take care of it so that your Monday can be a good Monday. Don't allow your anger, in other words, to fester, to just hang around. And I can't tell you how many times we, Ashley and I have practiced this. We've tried to deal with things in the moment before nightfall, but the freaks come out at night. Bad things happen and just not reality every time. Stage three, are you ready? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is prolonged anger and resentment. So you have offense, anger, and then unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says it this way. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Man, if we could live from that place right there, that love keeps no record of being wronged. Some of us have been wronged. But if we allow the venom of unforgiveness into our hearts, we'll proceed to the final stage. You want to know what the final stage is? Here it is, stage four. Finally, bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness is one of those things that will block your vision. It will take you out. You, people could see into your life and they would see nothing but good things. But because of the bitterness in your heart, you don't see any beauty. Can I even, there are moments in ministry where bitterness was in my heart and I missed opportunities to either minister or to encourage somebody or to see something differently. But I couldn't because I was blocked by bitterness. And I'd always say that there are opportunities that God has given us each and every day but there are these things like bitterness that don't allow us to see them right in front of us. And in our bitterness, what we do is we pray for opportunities. We hope for opportunities in the future. In our bitterness, we grow more bitter because we can't see the good things, the open doors, the opportunities that God has placed right in front of us. And I'm telling you right now, church, that you and I, when it comes to bitterness, bitterness, we have to be able to see God for his forgiveness and everything that he's bestowed upon us. And, and, and I think all of us in here want to overcome bitterness. I think none of, us, none of us want to live in a place where we're bitter. Does no good for anybody. So real quick, with the remaining moments that we have, here's some things that we can do to combat bitterness. Number one, shake it off. I'm not talking about Taylor Swift. I'm talking about Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, 39 says it like this. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. Whoa. 
an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, are you a punk? Are you just letting yourself get slapped around? Is that what you're saying? Are you telling us just to take it? Are you telling us just to take it on the chin and just don't say anything? Are, are, is that what you're saying, Jesus? Don't resist him who is evil? Here's what my logic tells me. My logic tells me that we should resist evil. <laughs> Anybody that does me wrong, you know what I'm going to do? Hey, psychology tells us healthy boundaries. So I'm going to put some healthy boundaries between me and that person. So that way, if he shoots off at the mouth, if anything happens, I'm no, nowhere around. I'm going to avoid you. My logic says resist evil. But Jesus says don't resist him who is evil. And although it doesn't seem to make sense, Jesus specifically com commanded us not to resist those who offend us. Wait a minute. Remember, Jesus is preaching law 2.0. Remember that Jesus is preaching to a culture that was religious driven. They were trying to keep perfection and they had their standards and they called their standards. If you met those standards, then you were holy, then you had glory, then you were doing what God wanted you to do. But here's Jesus. He is preaching law 2.0. And remember that he's driving the listeners to the end of themselves. What does that even mean? To a place where you realize that you cannot do it. When it comes to people hurting me, listen, my emotions are going to overtake me from time to time, and I'm going to avoid certain people. It's just fact. We're not telling you to be super, uh, 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 super spiritual in this moment. I'm telling you, it's okay to be human. Jesus understood for you and I that it's okay to be human. Why do you think he's considered the son of man? He was telling us, I'm human. But then came back, son of God, I am also divinity. Did you know that in both realms we can refer to God as human and as divinity in the same way? I can be in my emotions, but then I have this side of me that's divinity, right? That is of heaven. Jesus was painting a picture for you and I that although you are human, there is a higher reality when it comes to you and your life. So Jesus, he's driving us to the end of ourselves. And his point was, that you and I can do it, and if we could do it, we wouldn't need Jesus. So when the snake strikes, or when the snake bites, or when the offense comes, listen, I'm going to encourage you as a pastor, don't strike back. Trust Jesus, the heart healer. We must not pick up the weapon of hate and retaliate against our enemies. Romans 12, 17 says it like this, that never pay back evil with more evil. Because returning evil for evil is the first step in the bitterness process. And I believe that God, God's intention for your life is so you not to carry around bitter, not hurt, not in pain. Instead, listen, you know how you fight back? Get acquainted with what God believes about you. Or in Taylor's Swift's words, shake it off. The best as you can. And listen, 
Paul had to shake off that snake, and he suffered no harm. And many of us, we've carried around so much hurt, so much pain, and we don't know how to live outside of that pain. Man, but I believe God is telling us today, come to me, everybody who is weary, everybody who is hurt, who is in pain. Are you worn out on religion? Are you burned out on do-it-yourself remedies? Are you burned out on psychology and what they tell you? Then heed my words. Listen to my words. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Number two, let go of the offense. For some of us, let go of the offenses. Remember the Greek word meaning of offense. It's the part of the trap where the bait sits to lure you in. Some of us have grabbed the bait. From time to time, I have grabbed the bait. And the enemy sets his trap And using offenses as bait, if you grab the offense, you'll be a prisoner as long as you hold on to the offense. Listen to Hebrews 12, chapter 1 says this, so we must let go of every, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Wow. And the sin that we easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race. Because you let go, listen what you can do. You'll be able to run this race, passion and determination. Because there's a path that has been marked before you. You know what takes a lot of people out? Or let me say it like this, in our context. You know what takes a lot of Christians out? Bitterness. Church hurt. Not being included, not being a part of this. They didn't speak to me the way I thought that they should. They don't believe in me in that church. They, they, what, what do I do, God? You calling me somewhere else? Some of us have even walked away from faith because of church hurt, because of bitterness. Listen, put Hebrews 12.1 back up. It says, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Think about that for a second. We've been pierced. We've been wounded, right? We have, some of us have fallen into to this sin, and that's prohibiting us from running this marathon. Burnout. I opt out, Lord. I can't take anymore. I quit. Um, I can't do it anymore. I'd rather, I'd rather be away than just continue to get hurt. Uh, I'd, rather, I, I, I'd rather be somewhere else than, than be there among those people. Listen, God's intention for your life is grander than you even realize. The Bible says that his ways are higher than his ways, your ways. His thinking is higher than what you think. So what if for a moment, instead of seeing yourself hurt or in pain or emotionally wrecked, that you see yourself in light of the gospel, put together, complete, 
whole. You're not lacking anything today. You don't need anybody else to make you happy. Everybody else is just a great addition and extra in your life. And your source of esteem, I love what Angel said a moment ago, your source for your self-esteem is when you see yourself in light of the gospel. You're a child of God. You're one with him. You're not cheated on it. You're not cheated out on anything because God gave you everything. You know what this does? This makes me change my thinking from a victim mentality to now a victor mentality. When I realize that God is not withholding from me, that I'm right where I need to be. Listen, I know our lives aren't perfect down here, but you have to understand the significance of the cross And when you get a revelation of how complete you really are, that this journey of life, all you're doing is allowing it to unfold right in front of you. Because if you have everything, then it takes time for everything to unfold right in front of you. You can't have it all at once. Are you hearing me? God is so big and so grand, and he's prepared enormous things for each and every one of us that we can't possibly hold them with both of our hands. So that's why it takes Every day, every season, every year to be able to walk this out so that you can see his mercy, his grace, the inheritance that's yours in Christ unfold on your journey. Number three, here we go. Be an instant forgiver. Man, I wish that there was a button for this. That, like, you hit a button and it just kind of heals your heart and you become an instant forgiver. It, it's harder than that, but I think it has to do everything with what you believe about yourself in Christ. We've heard the term that hurt people hurt people, which means if I get hurt, then I tend to hurt others around me. But what happens? When you receive the love of Christ, remember, his love is unconditional and never runs out. So this love that we talk about, it's an agape type love. This love that we talk about is a love that's never ending. I'm going to say it again. This love that we preach about, that we declare, that you sing about, it's never ending. Which means that the moment that you receive his love, can I tell you, it's like fine wine. Yeah, I said it. It's like fine wine. Why? It gets better with age. His love gets better the longer that you experience it. There is nothing better. There is nothing more deeper than God's love for you and I. So be an instant forgiver. How do we do that? I, I think back to, to, to Joseph. If anyone had the right to be offended... If anyone had the right to point their finger at someone else and say, I'm in this mess because of you, I think Joseph had a good case. (laughs) Y'all know about Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph knew what it was like to be hurt by those closest to him. His account, his stories in Genesis 37, and it tells us that he was the favored son, and all of his brothers knew it. All of his brothers knew it. 
Joseph goes on to share a dream with his brothers, which we can talk about that another time, but sometimes people don't deserve to hear your dreams. But they heard his dream. And guess what happened after Joseph shared his dream? Jealousy. Jealousy. And fast forward, after several events, after being thrown in a pit, after being put in prison, after being uh, 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 in prison for many years, get this, fast forward years and years later, after slavery, after imprisonment, Joseph ends up becoming the ruler over Egypt. Joseph ends up ruling the entire region of that day. Now get this because it was during a famine that Joseph's brothers came to Egypt in search of food. So here was Joseph's chance. There was his one moment. His one moment where he could what? Have an eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He could have been in pain. He could have groveled in everything that was done to him, right? He could have humiliated his brothers in front of the entire nation, yet Joseph did none of those things. His love was the anti-venom for hatred and his forgiveness was the serum for the poison of bitterness. Instead of punishing them for their evil deeds, do you want to know what Joseph did? Joseph extended grace. Joseph extended grace. He didn't want them to feel guilty. He didn't pay them back sending them to Egypt, but instead assured them that it was God's plan for him to go through that so that one day he would rule to welcome his family into his arms. God's plan. How many of us have looked at pain and said, God, I know the pain wasn't your plan, but through this, there's going to be a plan that comes out. There's going to be something good that comes out. I think the human tendency is to forget how faithful God has been in our life. This is why we come back to remember. Every moment that we get, we have to come back to remember how good he has been to us, that some of us were in that pit. And the pit of pain and the pit uh, of poverty and the pit of frustration. Some of us have been in that pit. Some of us have even been in the prison. The prison of hurt, the prison of addiction, whatever it could have been. Listen, I think the human tendency is to forget. And this is why the Word of God, it brings us back to a place where we can remember where Jesus is highlighted in our forefront, in our minds, and we can see Jesus for who he really is and what he actually did for us and where he's brought us from. His promises today, his promises tomorrow. Genesis 45 verse 5 says this. This is Joseph, Joseph's response. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Because you sowed me here. For God sent me before you preserve life. Man, to preserve life. I believe his response speaks volumes of his healthy heart. As we take a look at Joseph's response, don't you see the, 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 the heart that he tended to? Man, 
to respond like that when he could have responded in a much different way. Joseph was a forgiver. He could have allowed unforgiveness to fester in the pit and slavery in prison and turn into bitterness, but he chose to forgive his offenders and he beat the enemy of bitterness. Listen, this is what Paul writes to us in Ephesians 4, 31. It says this, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, instead, church, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now listen, this is where most people get tripped up on this because before understanding the new covenant, we've heard sermons like this and I've even spoke like this without having a revelation of God's grace. How do I get forgiven? Well, forgive. How do I, see, how do I receive forgiveness? And the pastor, would, the pastor would tell you, forgive. To be forgiven, you have to forgive. But I can't forget. You see the dilemma here? Okay. Good news for you and I today. Don't miss this truth. You're not Joseph. Because what we do as believers, we put ourselves as Old Testament characters and prophets. And we say, well, I have to be like that. I have to do what they did in order to be able to walk out this life that God has called me to. But scratch that because that's not even what is, what, what is meant here. Put this scripture back up, please. Read it for yourself. That God, through Christ, has forgiven you. How do I forgive? Believing that God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Close your eyes just for a moment. Picture yourself as a conduit. You know what a conduit is? Something that, somewhat of a container that something goes through it. God's love is for you. Forgiveness has been extended to you. How do I forgive others? Forgiveness is first received, then it, it's an outpouring of what I have already received in Christ. I can freely forgive others that hurt me because I've received God's love. Perfect love. And in perfect love, there is no fear, there is no bitterness, there is no resentment, there is no confusion. Perfect love cast out all fear. You want to know what's left, believer? God's peace. God's peace. You just lift your hands if you feel comfortable right there where you sit. Thank you, Jesus. I declare over you today that you aren't a victim anymore. You're not a victim. Don't recycle revenge because you've received forgiveness freely in Christ. 
Oh, you can freely forgive those that have hurt you. I'd, I'd encourage you today, start speaking words of healing instead of words of, that are critical. You can shake off whatever has burdened you, whatever has been so heavy on your shoulders. You can shake it off. The Bible says, cast your cares. Cast your cares. God cares about what hurts you. God cares about what keeps you from experiencing this free life that he's called you to. No more heartache, but I declare over you that you are full of his complete love, that today you no longer play the blame game, that today you accept, you forgive, you see differently, you receive, and you accept, and you forgive, and you receive, and you accept, and you forgive, and you receive his love, and you accept what happened, and you forgive, and you keep forgiving, and you love. Why? Because love compels, love compels you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your forgiveness, Jesus, I thank you that we are accepted. We are beloved by you. It's in your grace and your mercy that we find true acceptance. I pray for all my friends today, Lord, that whatever has hindered them from moving forward, they know it, they see it, they sense it. You're dealing with that thing right now because in perfect love, so we experience your perfect love as we experience, experience your endless love, you cast out everything that's not of us. Fear, confusion, worry, pain, resentment, bitterness. And now we declare over ourselves that we have a responsive heart, a new heart that you've put inside of us. Thank you for doing what you did. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, clap your hands, give Jesus some praise. Can you stand with me all across this room? We're going to do something right before we leave. But before we do that, I'm going to encourage you to be generous today. There's multiple ways to be generous, church. Thank you so much for continually to, to give to our uh, mission here at Calvary Church. You can give through our text to give Calvary app, or even if you have a giving envelope, you can take one. And uh, at the conclusion of our time together, you can drop it off in back of the room and a giving container there. Thank you so much for believing in the mission and the vision of Calvary Church. Now, if you have any kids, any families that you know that want to dedicate their children, meet us at the Welcome Center. I'm going to ask uh, Lorena and Pastor John, if you guys could go over there um, to meet people, thank you so much. Real quick, before we give, and thank you so much for giving, while I have you standing, we're going to declare some things. Are you ready? This is today's prayer. You can say today's confession. It says this, because I am an overcomer. Wow, what a declaration, right? Because I am an overcomer, 
I am choosing to rid myself of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, I choose to be kind to others, tenderhearted, forgiving those who have offended me just as God through Christ has forgiven me. I choose to release my grip. And you don't need to say their names. Don't call anybody out. You might be standing right next to them. Do it in your mind. I choose to release my grip on, and I declare that they have no power over me or my thoughts. I am free to run my race and freedom.